two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. Kaiser Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? From Wakanda, Illinois, this is The Big Fib. Really? And now, here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the glossy, heroic continuity of truth and the graphic omnibus of flappy lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live In-Studio Audience. We had to also, I just, uh, and something else. Pardon me, Lisa? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're pardoned. No, no, I mean, I overheard you saying something. Yeah, that's because I'm trying to remember what I'm supposed to tell you. I got to tell you and the listeners something. Wow. What was it? Maybe it's something about a listener question? No, 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 that's not it. (gasps) But it might be something about a listener question. Okay, I just... Never mind. So, you do have a listener question? Oh, yeah, here it is. Hi, Lisa. I was wondering, since you're a robot, do you have, like, laser eyes or something? Well, listener, I have a tote's amazing vision, of course, but my eyes are not lasers, so I guess the answer to your question would be, or something. What? The question was, do you have laser eyes or something? And given that I do not have laser eyes, then the answer must be, by process of elimination, the answer that is not laser eyes, but indeed, or something. Okay, but do you have some sort of device or technology that allows you to have your aforementioned totes amazing vision? Uh, No clue. I see. But I see better because of, you know, something. Okay, I guess that's as much as we're going to learn about your eyes, but perhaps you can go into more detail about another topic, such as how our game works. Oh, I know a little something about that. And it involves lasers. Oh, no. Every week, we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert. The other, a liar. And it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who. Because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. That's why they call them kids. What are we lying about today, Deborah? Hmm. Uh, We are lying about comic books, books with pictures that tell a story. And we're going to learn all about comic books along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is an 11-year-old who has a bossy bunny named Oreo. Capri Joel. Hi, Capri Joel. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, also good. Thank you very much. We must learn about your bossy bunny Oreo. What makes your bunny bossy? Well, he just stomps. <laughs> like, he stomps when he doesn't have food. Um, and he stomps when he doesn't have any water. So he's just very mm. bossy because it's like he's just stomping. I see. We actually have audio of that, Deborah. This is the real audio of the bunny Oreo. Hey, give me carrots. Come on. (laughs) Come on, Capri Joel. Give me some carrots. Come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think that's actual. That's the real audio. Mm, I see. I see. But you love him, right? I mean, he's bossy but sweet, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Okay. And his name is Oreo. Is there a story behind his name? So his name was already Oreo. Mm. And we had Oreo like listed up on what we were going to name him. So we just mm. went ahead and went with Oreo. He's also a black and white bunny. Mm. So makes sense. Totally makes sense. Love it. Well, I hope he's going to be listening into the show. You bet I am. And by the way, <laughs> my name is Ralph, not Oreo. No, I tried to tell them, but nobody listens. No, it isn't. It's Oreo. Well, we do want to learn some more fun facts about you, Capri Joel, but we're going to do it playing our game. Two truths and a lie. You, Capri Joel, are going to tell us three things about yourself. Two of those things will be true. One will be a lie. And we have to figure out which is which. So in no particular order, please tell us your two truths and a lie. I'm an only child. I'm a ballerina. And I am a model. Model. Okay. Let's see. I have a feeling that Lisa has some thoughts about which of those is the lie. Don't you, Lisa? She's clever. I'll give her that, Deborah. But there's one that's a glaring lie. Yes. She comes to us today saying she's an only child. Yes. But I was on a walk yesterday. Yeah. What did I see, Deborah? A child. You saw a child? I saw another child. And then I walked by a playground. Yeah. Lots of children. I walked by a local school. Lots of children. She thinks she's the only child? How (laughs) dare she come in with that lie? That one is so clearly a lie, and I just can't even believe she would try it. I think she means when somebody says they're an only child, that means in their house. Like, they have no siblings, brothers or sisters. That's what that means. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I've never been to her house. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to stick with that anyway? I'll, yeah, I mean. Okay, fine. Yeah, but All right. Capri Joel, tell us which of those things is actually a lie. Okay, Lisa, you were correct. I'm not an only child. I have a brother. I told you because there's lots of children. That is not why she has a brother. What is your brother's name, Capri Joel? Caleb. Caleb. Shout out, Caleb. So, in fact, you are a model and a ballerina. That's amazing. Do you perform ballet in front of people? So, I'm actually a training ballerina right now. So, I'm just working on grace and stuff like that. Beautiful. Lovely. And I understand that this might be a fact also. Is it true, Capri Joel, that you have a YouTube channel? I do have a YouTube channel called Capri Joel. It's called Capri Joel, people. Everybody go check her out. Very good. Well, you didn't fool Lisa, but only because of strange logic that Lisa used. So, Well, now we know that there are two children in the world. <laughs> exactly. But I do think you are going to do very well at this game. So I think we need to get on with it and talk about comic books. Have you ever read a comic book, Capri Joel? Yes, I have like a few of them because I like reading comic books. I do make comic books sometimes <gasps> too. You do? I love it. Wow. So you probably will know a thing or two. That's exciting. All right. Let's meet our experts. Lisa, can you please play some welcome music for our comic book experts? Boom. Pow. Ugh. Ow. This is the song of comic books. And here they come. They might like pizza, but everyone knows (laughs) the best comic book hero is Lisa. 
Oh, nice one. Very good. Okay, our first expert is Van Jensen. Van, please introduce yourself to Capri Joel. Hi, Capri Joel. My name is Van Jensen, and I am an author of comic books. Thank you very much. Now let's meet our second expert, Thea Cook. Thea, please introduce yourself to Capri Joel. Hello, Capri Joel. My name is Thea Cook, and I am a comic book collector. Ooh, thank you very much. Tell us about those hot off the press sounds, Lisa. They're hot off the press? Because it's hot seat time. Yay, it's hot seat time. That's when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Capri Joel's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Wow, uh, Deborah's is a really hard one because both experts have super fun names to say. Hmm. We, of course, have Damn Jensen. And we also have Thea Cook. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm going to go with Van Jensen. <laughs> okay, great. So, Capri Joel, you're going to ask Van your first question, and then after that, you get to decide. So, Capri Joel, what is your first question for Van? What is a day like doing your job? So, I kind of get to be a professional kid. I sit around and I imagine, like, what different superheroes or, you know, wild characters might do. And I just try to be as creative as possible. And so I've written characters like Superman and The Flash and Green Lantern. And I think about what would be an interesting challenge for them to face. And then once I have an idea, I write it into what's called a script. And so it sort of says page by page what's going to happen. And then I'm working with the artists that draw the comics and bring them to life. And so that's kind of the regular day-to-day, and then I have special days where I get to go to comic book conventions, and that's like doing signings and meeting fans. So really, it's, you know, a dream job, a lot of fun. Very cool. I want Thea to answer the same question as well. I wish that I could spend all day reading comics or looking for comics, but I actually am a teacher as well. But... As a comic book collector, what I like to do every day is dial into some of my favorite YouTube channels like Comic Tom or Key Collector Comics. I like to watch those guys and see what's happening on there. I also like to check for issues that I'm looking for on websites like Mile High Comics or one that we call TIFA that's called Things from Another World. And then on, let's say, a Wednesday, that's when comic books come out. So I go to my local comic book shop and I pick up the issues that have been pulled for me that I've been waiting for. Actually, except for during the pandemic, DC changed to Tuesdays and that's when their issues drop. So then I go in on Tuesdays and get my DC issues. So those are kind of like what a week looks like or what a day looks like for me. Thank you very much. See ya. Why are comic books popular? Well, look at a book and look at a comic book, like side by side. And immediately, all of that color and all of that excitement just jumps out at you. And anything that you get into as a kid, like that is like deep in your core, right? And you can carry that on for the rest of your life. So you see that as a child, you see all that color, you see all that excitement, and it just speaks to you. And then you get into the stories, and oh my gosh, you're just sucked in forever. Like you just can't put them down. I just think they're the most exciting thing ever. I like the boxes. 
The boxes? Yeah, they got lots of little boxes in them. Oh, right, where each illustration is. Is that what you mean? Yeah, the illustrations are whatever, but I like the boxes. Oh, the actual boxes, like the frames. I'm a big box fan, yeah. I see. (laughs) Okay. I guess there's something for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get on Lisa's bad side, but I would like to say that the boxes on a comic book page are actually called panels. So if you want to be cool in the comic book crowd... Better come in saying panels, not boxes. Hey, Deborah, let me just correct myself. You probably heard me say boxes. I was just trying to make it easier for people to understand. I'm a big panel fan. I see. Yeah, pan fan. We uh, call pan fan. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. It's great to know there's a fellow pan fan out there. I love him. <laughs> Thrilled to know. Yeah. So this one is for Van. How do you feel about comics being made into movies? I love it that there are movies based on comic books. And, you know, it's the superhero comics that go into movies, like all the big Marvel movies and DC movies. But there are also, you know, a lot of independent comic books that you might not know that you watch a movie and it actually was originally a comic book or a graphic novel. And Obviously, I love it if, you know, something I wrote makes a movie or a TV show that I get to see my work up on the screen and also get some extra money, which is not a bad thing. But I think it also just it brings more and more people to the actual comic books. And so I'm all about like anything that gets someone to start reading is great. Fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thea, what makes a comic book valuable? Well, I think there are a couple of answers to this question. Obviously, the value can be monetary value, right? So if a comic book is in really good condition, we call it mint condition, and there's a key issue in it, meaning like something big happens in that issue, like Superman is introduced or Batman is introduced for the first time, and it's old, that can be worth a lot of money. And there's actually a company called the Comics Guarantee Company. We call it CGC for short. And they give a rating to comic books. And if you receive a good rating for a comic book that's rare, it can be worth a lot of money. But the other side of that coin is sometimes it's of a lot of value to you personally. Like in my dad's collection, I have a number one of the very first X-Men. And that is a beautiful comic, and it's worth a lot to me because it was his, but it's not worth anything monetarily because it's so beat up. But to me, it has a very high value. So those are kind of like the two ways you can value comic books. The other one is if it has a lot of panels in it. (laughs) Pan fans are like, this is great. I mean, just to speak to the whole pan thing, actually, a comic book collector is called a panopictographist. So that just adds a little more to the pan fan situation. That's what I am, Deborah. I finally know. I know who I am. It's good to have an identity. I like it. Very good. All right. Well done. Those were great questions. Thank you very much, Caprice Joel. I hope you got some good intel from that. If you love The Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. 
They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling, and the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. Okay. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Capri Joel will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts answer quickly as we run through these questions. All right, Capri Joel, let's start with Van. Ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. Which country first published comic books? The United States. What is the word for a single-issue comic book? Floppies, because they're thin and they kind of flop around when you read them. What was Wonder Woman's secret identity name? That would be Diana Prince. Which comic book was the largest comic ever made? An issue of Attack on Titan. What do you call a comic book page that has only one panel that fills up the whole page? A splash page. Boring. No. What is the word for comic book in Japan? That would be manga. Which comic is the only one to win a national book award? March by John Lewis. What do you call the sound effects in comic books like wham and pow? Uh, onomatopoeia. What is the term for the white space between the panels of a comic book strip? 
Those are called gutters. And time. That's all the time. Very good. Okay, we are going to reset the timer, aren't we, Lisa? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. All right, and that means Capri Joel can ask Thea your shorts on fire questions now. What is the only comic to win a Pulitzer Prize? Here comes Daredevil, the man without fear. Which comic book is the most valuable? Detective Comics number 27. That's the first appearance of Batman. Which country sells the highest number of comic books? Japan. What do you call a comic book that is as long as a book? A graphic novel. Which font was inspired by the lettering in comic books? Anime Ace 2. Who was the first female superhero in comic books? Wonder Woman. What would you use to stop valuable comic books from bending or getting damaged? A panel plank. What do you call the ovals with dialogue inside? Babble bubbles. Factor Fib. The Incredible Hawk was purple before he was green. Fact. Marble or DC? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go with Marvel, with the exception of Batman. And time. That's all the time. That is it. Very good. <laughs> well done, experts. And very well done, Capri Joel. All right, it's decision time. In the imaginary speech bubble over her head, Capri Joel is considering her answer. Capri Joel, who is our big comic book fibber? I'm going to go with Thea Cook. <gasps> because I'm not sure about the first female to be in a comic. I thought it was Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, okay. Let's see. Will the actual comic book expert please say, I am the comic book expert? I am the comic <gasps> book expert. You got it right. You did it. That is correct. Van Jensen is a comic book author who has written characters including Superman, The Flash, and Wonder Woman. Fantastic. Very good job, Capri Joel. Okay, let's do some fact-checking here. Van, read your captions behind Thea's lies, would you? Thea did an incredible job um, just dropping, like, Mile High Comics and TFA. I mean, she really was nailing it. One thing, CGC, and this would be hard for anyone to know, it actually stands for Certified Guarantee Company. Oh, okay. The only comic to win a Pulitzer Prize is Mouse. Mm. The most valuable comic ever was actually Amazing Fantasy number 15, which was the first appearance of Spider-Man, worth $3.6 million. Whoa! Wish I had had a copy. I know. Yeah. Put it on your Christmas list. Okay. The font inspired by comics was Comic Sans. Oh. Let's see. The ovals with dialogue in them are called balloons. And Hulk was originally gray, not purple. Oh, gray. That's interesting. And what about the first female superhero? Was that Miss Marvel? I can't say for sure. In the 1930s, there were like thousands of superheroes and mm. so it's it's a bit hard to know exactly but I do think that Miss Marvel debuted before Wonder Woman. What about Fantoma? Do you know this superhero? Oh yeah, Fantoma came about in the 1930s 
in Amazing Fantasy number one, Ooh. created by Fletcher Hanks, who is like a mad genius of early comics. I'm a little bit obsessed with him. So yeah, Fantoma is like a skull-faced woman that protects the jungle. She's fabulous. Wow, how cool. And would you agree with Thea? She went with Marvel as her choice over DC. Would you concur? You know, if you're reading comics, I'm happy with it all the way around. <laughs> These are people I work with. I can't make enemies here on the Big Fib. I do it all the time. <laughs> no, you don't. Everybody loves you. There's no ramifications, believe me. <laughs> okay, well, we've got to finish her up now. So thanks to our contestant, Capri Joel, our superheroic fact finder. And thank you to our expert and liar, Van and Thea. And thanks to Lisa for the anthology of sounds. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where we incur pain with every lie, and we take a page out of the great omnibus of truth. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on The Big Fib, or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And all my panel fans, I'll be at PanelCon this weekend. (laughs) We'll just look at lots of empty panels. (laughs) Nice. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.